Thank you for listening to the A Stomping Ground on 365 Sportscast. The A Stomping Ground is sponsored by Dent Solutions of Napa Valley, House Doctors Painting of San Jose, and American Asphalt of Hayward. Now, back with you for another hour of Ace Talk, your host, Brandon Greco. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the A Stomping Ground. I am Brandon Greco. And this is the first episode coming back from the All-Star break. Saw a tough series against Cleveland, now playing against the Angels before we go on the road. So there's a lot of talk about there. We're going to talk about the All-Star game a little bit. We're going to be talking about some more trade deadline rumors this week. And we're going to be talking about what's next on the schedule. Who do we need to see perform, especially in this time right now when there should be a lot of moves being made. Maybe who we should expect to see gone in the next couple, couple weeks or so. And that's all coming up next, but first, before we get into all that, it's going to be time for Dings and Dents, which is sponsored by Dent Solution. How many of us have parked far away to try and avoid having someone or something dent our car? If you are like me and love your ride, I guarantee you hate dents. It can be a hassle dealing with insurance or simply finding that correct paint job for that fine finish. Well, it doesn't have to be a hassle. Dent Solution specializes in the art of paintless dent repair. Just like you need a specialist for neck and back pain, when you have a dent or a ding, you need the dentologist. With Dent Solution of the Napa Valley, San Rafael, Marin, Petaluma, Novato, Fairfield, and Vacaville. For over three decades, Ian Cordol has provided five-star service, specializing in world-class repairs. It's a true art, and if you're a victim of unsightly dents and dings, then the Dentologist is your fast, affordable solution to those minor dents and dings. The injuries the A's have, Trevor Rosenthal out for the year. Mike Fires, I was saying, I haven't really heard much on him, but last week a report came out that he was still having some problems and is still not comfortable throwing. That's what Bob Melvin told some reporters in a press conference, and... Chad Pender, 10-day IL, placed on July 8th. That was definitely over 10 days ago, so at this point it's just making sure that the hamstring is good so when he comes back he doesn't re-hurt it again, which I think this was the same thing, the same leg that he hurt the first time when he started the year, so just got to make sure that he can come back and not keep aggravating the same injury. So that kind of leads me into the All-Star break and the series against Cleveland and the start against the Angels. So over the All-Star break, we saw Matt Olson in the home run derby. It was exciting to see him participate, even though he didn't really do anything. Well, he lost in the first round. Can't be upset about it. Was, it would have been nice to see him win, but, you know, it was cool to still see him out there. It looked like he was having a good time enjoying himself. And then on Tuesday, Chris Passett pitched an inning, gave up a run on a wild pitch. Matt Olson went over two with two strikeouts. So overall... At least I, we got to see him in the game, but they didn't really do anything that was worth watching. I recorded both of them, and then after just deleted it, didn't need, feel any need to watch it again. So that's what we saw last week. Matt Olson tried to put on a little bit of a show, fell up, fell a little bit short. Chris Bassett decided to pitch in the All-Star game, having pitched two days before. So he his start got pushed back in Cleveland to Game 3 of that series, but... Before we get there, we'll talk about the start where the A's lost 
two out of three in that series, winning the first one five to four, and then losing the next two by a score of three to two and four to two. So that first night, Jed Lowry saved the day in that game. He went three for five with a home run, the walk-off home run, had three RBIs. Matt Olson also went three for five. Elvis Andrews also went three for five. So the top of the order pretty much did all the damage. Moreland and Sean Murphy and Tony Kemp each had a hit at the bottom. But most of the damage was the two, three, four hitters, which that's perfect. That's exactly who you want producing for you. Those are the guys that should be doing it. So that was nice to see. Sean Mania, five and a third, three runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, no walks, always good to see. Yusner Petit came out, gave up a run. Diekman and Romo pitched scoreless eighth and ninth inning. And that was that was that was great. He came out after the break, he got the win, start out on a good note, but then Saturday comes around and the offense didn't show up. No home runs were hit. Sean Murphy had an RBI, Mitch Moreland had an RBI double, which I think was very early in the game in the first. They scored one run in the first and one run in the ninth. The Indians scored two in the fifth and one in the eighth. So the A's just weren't able to get the bats going. So that that was kind of the outcome and why they lost that game. Frankie Montas pitched very well. Six innings, seven strikeouts, two runs, 94 pitches. Wendelkin gave up a run out of the bullpen. Sam Mole, who I was talking smack about before, pitched a scoreless ninth. And Guerra also pitched a scoreless seventh inning. So the bullpen... The pitching was pretty good against Cleveland. After game one, the offense decided not to show up, scoring four runs in the last two games. Sunday, they lost game three of that series, 4-2. to two. Seth Brown hit a home run, and I think their other run was unearned. So that was how they scored their two runs in that game. And Cleveland was able to score one in the first, and then again in the sixth, seventh, and ninth inning, where the A's scored in the second and the sixth inning, second and the fifth inning. Chris Bassett pitched pretty well. He gave up a home run late in that game. That ended up being the deciding factor. Seven innings, three runs, eight strikeouts. His ERA sits at 3-3-1. Definitely all-star worthy. Definitely a great start for him. Had one bad, I think it was his last batter that he threw to, or that home run that he gave up was pretty much the only mistake he made in that game. The Indians have very capable hitters, so... It's definitely not uncommon. I mean, they only scored two runs other than that off Bassett, so he had a pretty good start. So that kind of wraps up that first series. So I was saying that I thought the A's, if, if they didn't make any moves, would could go 40-30 and 30 in the second half. And after the first series, they start that going 1-2 and two before you head into the Angels series and see Shohei Otani. And in that game, the A's weren't able to do anything until... Immediately after he left, as soon as he left the game, the first two batters of the inning walked. I think it was Moreland and Seth Brown, and definitely wasn't Seth Brown, but Moreland had walked and someone else had walked, and then Ramon Laureano hit the three-run home run. A's didn't score it in that inning again. The Angels didn't score until the ninth, but that was after Matt Olson had also hit a solo home run to give the A's the 4-1 to win in that game. So since the All-Star break, Matt Olson has been playing very well. He has a decent amount of hits. He's come back hot. A lot of people were worried maybe home run derby would mess his swing up, but he's come back and 
picked up where he left off in that last game against Texas where he had two home runs. Would have been nice to see maybe him do something in the All-Star game, but as long as he's doing now, save it for the team that actually needs you to win. So that's it was great to see Matt Olson coming back. Matt Chapman, on the other hand, hasn't really been doing much recently. He's kind of been... He's kind of going back to his old... The start of the year, his average was climbing up there. Now it's dropping. I think right now it's back at 221 after getting it up close to 240. Tried getting it up there, but it's dropped nearly 15 points in the last about seven games. So he, he has one hit since July 9th. Yes, there was a four-day break, but that's eight games with one hit for Matt Chapman after that hitting streak that he was at, that on-base streak that he was at, came to an end. And so that's where we're at with Matt Chapman right now, the strikeouts. He's striking out in every single game at least once, it seems like. Two strikeouts here, two strikeouts there, a couple games with three. Just not putting the bat on the ball enough. And when he is, he's not having great at-bats. And it seems like he's making a lot of weak contact. It was seeming for a while there that he was getting like one hit a game and he would be able to square one ball up, but I'm not totally sure what's up with him offensively. But the defense has been great. The defense has still been great. He's made a couple errors in the past couple games. Overthrow and then a misplay on the game I'm actually recording during this Tuesday game. It's 0-0 in the top of the fourth, 3-2 with two outs. So Matt Olson, Matt Chapman start this game. Haven't done much, but the defense that they've played in this series and that they continue to play definitely helps make up for that. I mean, I think that the A's, Jed Lowry, his range isn't great. Elvis Andrews has looked healthy recently, and not only has he been swinging the bat better, but also his defense has looked better than it did to start the year. And with Ramon in center, you have, and Murphy at catching, you might have one of the better defenses in all of baseball. It's maybe not the best, but definitely pretty close. You have four Five people that could go and win a gold glove. Murphy, you might think, could win one at some point. Jed Lowry, a couple years ago, when the A's had their whole starting infield, get nominated for gold gloves. So, very capable defenders. Loriano in center field, one of the best arms in baseball, if not the best arm in baseball. So, the A's right now, their offense is not really doing anything. It's kind of still this score a couple runs here in like the first, second inning. And then maybe again late in the game, depending on what relievers in the game having a bad day. It seems like that's kind of how the A's are scoring. They'll score early, not often. They'll score late, but you, at that point, not scoring throughout the whole middle part of the game. You just hope that the other team hasn't run away with it. That's where the A's pitching comes in handy. They definitely, their pitching, if it wasn't for their pitching this year, they, there's no chance that they would be over 500. Their pitching, the starting pitching has the most innings pitched the starting rotation has the most innings pitched out of any rotation and the fewest amount of walks they're top five in team ERA so the starting staff a very underrated staff that I thought was going to be the weaker point of the team I think is turning out to be the strongest point of the team and kind of just going into this year every, all of what I thought was going to be good with this team and was going to be the issues I feel like kind of flipped 
other than the fact that you still do need Marcus Simeon back. You need that shortstop. You need another player in the lineup. That I figured was going to be an issue, which is where they're at right now, looking for players. But I thought that the rotation was going to be weaker. I thought the bullpen was going to be good. I thought the lineup was still going to be pretty solid. I didn't expect as many strikeouts. I'm not totally sure why. Maybe wishful thinking. But So we're sitting here on July 20th. The A's, a couple games behind Houston. You don't have as many games with them as you do other division teams. And you need that bat still. You'd, and you need bullpen options. And you might need another starter, just in case. Just in case. Because Mike Fires close to August, says that he doesn't feel comfortable throwing yet. So that's that's an issue. I'm not expecting him to come back and just dominate, but in the bullpen, a veteran arm, eat some innings, especially in the playoffs. So there a lot of options that the A's could have had with that bullpen, with Rosenthal and Fires and Puck and Lazardo and just four guys that haven't panned out this year. But on the other hand, Cole Irvin has been phenomenal and... I think that it's a, maybe, I don't know about a surprise, but definitely, I think, unexpected what you're getting from Caprellian, who his ERA is not, I don't think, over 3-5. He's been pitching very well this year and just came up after it looked like he a very long journey in the minors was maybe not going to be much more than that, kind of struggling to, I feel, felt like, make any strides, someone that kept hearing about. But now he's up, and his ERA sitting through this Angels game is at 2.73. And, I mean, that's the best ERA on the staff. Not uh, would be in the league, probably top five, but he doesn't have the qualified innings pitched. He's only at 62 innings pitched compared to Bassett and compared to other, other guys that are already over well over 100 innings pitched. So for him, keep pitching like this. You'll find yourself up there. But the starting pitching definitely has been a surprise. A great surprise, but you're still going to, I think, have to add to that, which goes back to kind of what I have been saying, is that I think at this point, you have to add at least one piece to every to every part of your team. Because I think looking at teams around the league, the rotation, if, any, if there's any injuries, I think that you're instantly kind of screwed at that point, because I think then you have to call up another rookie, and you have now two rookies in your staff, while trying to make a playoff push, that's a little bit, that's a little bit underwhelming, um, and I think that you now have to add to that bullpen because there's no more Trevor Rosenthal. Petit has been not pitching super great. Diekman has been pitching pretty inconsistent. Trevino has been really well pitching really well. Even Sergio Romo has been pitching really well recently. But you still have to add a back end piece to that bullpen just to lengthen it out. Or hope at least Puck or Lazardo can soon kind of figure out how to how to pitch again and get back up to where they should be, which is pitching at least in the bullpen for this team, at least in the bullpen for a team that has one lefty. Maybe they're just trying to hide him down there. But Lazardo's been in the league long enough for the scouting report to be out on him. Puck maybe not so much. The only thing we've seen from Puck this year was in that 0 for 6, 0 and 6 start to start the year come and pitch three and a third innings scoreless against the Dodgers after I think the A's were down already by like seven in that game. And then he got hurt after that. So A.J. Puck came up and pitched really well for that one game and got hurt again. And his ERA, same with Lizardo, both 
right around six, six plus in AAA. They're pitching in a place that is known for being offense friendly, but both those guys with the with the talk that they've had and the stuff that they have should still be lighting those guys up and not giving up as many hits and hard hit balls as they are. Just because a place is offense friendly, I mean, you still have to hit the ball hard and hope it finds its way out. And that, I mean, they're hitting the ball super hard. That's why they both have been struggling and have not both been called back up. As much as it sucks not seeing them and as much as we could use them in the bullpen, it's like, well, geez, can we even use them? We, they, <laughs> It might make it even worse, which is pretty much what happened. Jesus Lizardo gave up a home run in like five straight appearances before we got sent down. A.J. Puck was giving up a lot of home runs when he first got, when he first came back from that injury. So you just got to figure out that. And then offensively, we're back to you just need someone that can, you just need some consistency. You need consistency in that lineup from someone because this whole score one in the first, close couple in the first, Matt Olson maybe gets a big hit and then maybe he gets on base the rest of the game, but you don't have anyone getting these extra base hits with guys on base or Tony Kemp's down at the bottom of the order looking like he doesn't even want to swing the bat, looking like he's just trying to walk. Elvis Andrews, he's been swinging the bat really well, but all year he's had really bad luck. That's not his fault, but... It's just really frustrating. It seems like he's hitting the ball super hard, but just right at people all the time. And that Indians game, bases loaded, nobody out. Elvis Andrews hit the ball. It looked like at least 100 miles an hour, but it went right to the third baseman, and they were able to turn a double play. So that's kind of, I feel like, what I've been seeing with Elvis Andrews this year is that he's hitting the ball well. He's just not having any luck. I think that there's even more of a lack of power right now than there was before which could be the cause for some of the balls to be going to the warning track. A couple years ago, this was a guy that hit 20 home runs, but that was in a stadium that gave up a lot of home runs, not in Oakland. So for him, I think it's important to just try to keep the ball line drives and on the ground, especially playing here. But, you know, you hit the ball on the ground, and it's a lot more likely to find someone when you got four or five guys on the infield, including the pitcher. you got to hit it super hard, and even then, these guys have great range. So... Elvis Andrews, maybe the Coliseum isn't the best place for him to be playing, but that's where he's at, and he's had pretty bad luck. And then we also, Stephen Piscotty, Seth Brown. Seth Brown's been swinging the bat a little bit better recently. He's still hitting under 200. Stephen Piscotty, every once in a while, squares one up, he connects, he hits a home run, but he's not playing enough. Even with Pinder out, it just, he's not... He's just not having good at-bats, which is pretty sad because that's a guy who hit 270 two years ago for the A's and was one of the main pieces in that lineup that was getting them to and from the playoffs. But now it's just, I'm not totally sure. I think that you have to add an outfield bat, and I think that you need to add a infielder, and there's tons available. Talked about names for the past, maybe the fourth, this is the fourth straight show that I've been heavy into the trade talks, but there's a lot of guys out there that are instant upgrades on some really, really bad teams. And I'm just watching the A's continue post-All-Star break, not do anything, and not score any runs. Their team's pretty much been on the same plane since that series with the Giants after Tony Kemp 
and Matt Olson got super hot, and that was a series they both kind of started to cool down. Their offense has been absolutely terrible. Three and a half runs a game, under 200 batting average with runners in scoring position. Probably, I didn't see the batting average as a team, but also close to, if not under 200. The home runs are down. The extra base hits are down. And the pitching is, the starting pitching has stayed consistent, but the offense is, everyone knows, the strikeouts are up. It's just not good situational hitting. The A's continue to struggle in pretty much every category offensively other than hitting home runs. I think as I say that, Matt Olson might have just hit one. Matt Olson did just hit a home run, as I'm watching right now. So the A's are now up one nothing in this Tuesday game. As I just say, the A's are struggling to hit home runs. But that's another solo home run. Good to get them on the board. But And that's kind of it, what I was just saying. Matt Olson and Tony Kemp, after they cooled down, the A's offense just hasn't really been there. Mark Canna, that also got hurt and missed a lot of time. Matt Chapman, we know his struggles. Mitch Moland also got hurt. So there were a lot of pieces. There's a lot of pieces to this team that just haven't really been able to get back to how they played in 2019. That offense was really good in 2019. The Chris Davis was also in that lineup with 40 plus home runs. Actually, that was. I don't think he was good in 2019. I think that was actually the first year where he kind of started to slow down. But anyway, Jed Lowry. Wasn't there, we had Profart. There were a lot of moving pieces, but a lot of pieces that were there in 2019 that had a lot of success. And right now, it's just Matt Olson hitting over 290 with that home run. Jed Lowry hitting close to 270. He's been hot recently. Mark Hanna's back in that lineup. He He's walked. He's got, he's got hit by a couple pitches since he's come back. Pretty much had some typical Mark Hanna at-bats. Hasn't homered since coming back. So there's, there's just a lot that this A's team is not doing. There's a, a lot more that they're not doing than they are doing, which for a team that's over 500 and looking to make the playoffs is kind of impressive that they're still able to be at this point because that just shows how much talent they have. But it also shows that, that I think that there's a huge talent gap. You have a lot of good players, and then there's a lot of players that shouldn't be in baseball. And that's kind of how I feel like the A's go. Maybe not a lot, but there's just a lot of guys that the A's rely on that were given up on by other teams. Chris Davis with the Brewers wasn't really... He was a guy who had like 20 home runs a year. The power wasn't 40-plus home runs. It just, you know, you find guys like that. Mark Hanna, Rule 5 pick. There's a lot... Seth Brown, I don't know where he came from. He's... Not hitting over 200, but he has 11 home runs, 30 RBIs. He's at least somewhat producing, as scarce as it may be. There is some good power production with Seth Brown, which I think there's a lot of guys that have come up and had good power production but not been able to hit for a high average. But Seth Brown, this is his first full year being close to 30, but still his first full year in baseball. Sean Murphy, this is his first 162-game season. Lazardo, still now in AAA, hasn't been in a 162-game season. A.J. Puck never played in a season for more than 10 appearances, it seems like, with all his injuries. And there's just Ramon Laureano. He's hurt again, but I think this is his second full year. He came up at the end of 2018, played all of 2019, 60-game season last year where he was hurt. So this is... 
a lot of these guys don't have a lot of mileage, which is why you go, have to go out and you got to get a guy like Eduardo Escobar or Nelson Cruz or David Peralta or Adam Frazier or someone in that bullpen. Someone that's been there and has that time and is able to continue to do it consistently and also produce. Mitch Moreland has been hurt this year, but that's a good veteran to have. I hope they bring him back next year. Even though it's been kind of rough this year, I really hope they're able to bring Mitch Moreland back next year. Hopefully just keep him at DH. Not, I mean, and maybe bring someone else in, a right-handed platoon with him. Mitch Moreland would still get most of the at-bats, seeming how I think 75% of the pitchers in baseball, if not more, are right-handed. Mitch Moreland is still going to be getting a lot of at-bats. Can play great first base if needed. Obviously, you have Matt Olson over there, so you're not going to be worried about that too much. But there's just a lot of options with this team and a lot of pieces that they can move, which I did not think that they had up until recently to move. I mean, some of the uh, the pieces in on the Major League team, I think, are going to be harder to move. Piscotti, Pinder, Seth Brown, just because of their lack of production, Pinder being hurt. But also a team, if you do make a trade with Minnesota, I think that if you do give up Nelson Cruz, they're probably going to maybe want an outfielder back that could play right now. You have pieces at your disposal, so you can, you know, maybe try to throw that in along with, they don't have a great farm system, but they have one that is suitable. They have one that has a lot of potential. I think it's a pretty young farm system. A lot of guys that are 18, 19, 20, I mean, prospects, yeah, but not a lot of major league ready talent. Nick Allen, maybe the exception. Lazardo and Puck, definitely major league ready, but just haven't been able to do it. Logan Davidson, their first round pick in 2019. I think he's in double A, maybe another couple years on him. See what he can develop into. Machine down there has been with the A's. He's not pitched well. Not pitched. He's not hit well at all in the major leagues, so that's maybe not a piece, but maybe someone that a team could take a flyer on, you know, Machine not getting a lot of time here, someone that has shown the ability to hit the ball in minor leagues, but just not do it in the, in the big leagues. It seems like he's not striking out when he gets up here. Actually, no, that's not true. He was striking out a lot. He was really struggling. Kind of looked like Franklin Barreto, but from the left side. So you might maybe not be able to get anything for him or put him in anything. But there are definitely our options. Junior Perez, Diekman, Dykeman down in... Triple A or Double A, um, Junior Perez. I think I just said it. I didn't really know much about, and then I've kind of seen, just been reading stuff about what prospect the A's can give up. That's a young outfielder that the A's have in their prospect system that maybe some teams could actually be pretty high on, which isn't a guy that I thought that the A's had, but I think he's about 19, 20 years old, good power bat, good speed, so. That's what the reports are on him in AAA, so maybe that's a guy. Just uh, Robert Pawson, uh, shortstop that the A's have, who's about 19, who's definitely a couple years away still. But, you know, some of these younger guys, the Twins have an aging shortstop. I think they have Simmons right now, Nelson Cruz. So they could look to get younger, pair with Kepler. Barrios could be on the move from the Twins, so they could be in a complete overhaul. But they also said they don't want to trade players that, are going to be on the roster beyond 2022, so they still have some major league ready talent in case that, you know, the players that they trade this year, they get them back, they have a year and a half in their minor league system 2023 come up, so 
That's why I say maybe Logan Davidson, who's a couple years away, an A's college first-round pick, which I feel like they have not done for a position player in a while. He was the Clemson shortstop in 2019. That's when the A's took him. So that could be a guy that the Twins are interested in. Junior Perez and maybe some pitching that the A's have. Dalton Jeffries is a starter that could be on the move if the A's don't have injuries and have to call him up. But if there is an injury in the rotation, then you might think that they'll go out and get someone anyway. So it's just going to be a very interesting now... 11 days we're gonna have one more show before the trade deadline and then on that second show I really hope that I'm gonna be talking about good news and not the A's going out and getting some I don't know Josh Reddick I got I don't know I could totally see the A's getting Josh Reddick I feel like that's a pretty Oakland A's thing to do with some of the moves they make but I hope that's not the case I hope that they go out and get someone that I'm excited about. Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds, Richard Rodriguez. Go to go purge the Colorado Rockies. Go purge the Diamondbacks. There's a lot of these National League teams that I was saying that are already super out of it. Tapia for the Rockies. Go get players off their teams. They're not going to be competitive for another couple years. So send them who you got because they'll take them. What are the Cardinals going to do with a bunch of aging players on a team that is 40 games under 500 you're going to trade them they're going to i mean they could hold on to them maybe wait for the off season but they have some players having some good seasons and you never know maybe injury so they're going to pr- probably try to get the most out of them now so make the calls right now this is what i've been saying i don't know why they haven't made any of these calls yet unless they have and just not putting anything out the only thing that i've heard is interest in nelson cruz and the A's could be looking at other players. That's kind of all I've seen. I haven't seen anything come out by the team that the A's are interested in this set of players. There is something that I've seen that is kind of interesting to me that I haven't can take really considered. But Chris Bryant with the Cubs. The Cubs looking to do a complete overhaul of that roster. I think that Chris Bryant is an interesting name to think of and maybe someone that I never considered because his primary position is third base but he is someone that I think has started at seven positions or played at at least seven positions for the Cubs this year all outfield positions maybe all infield positions but catcher and shortstop so Chris Bryant is a guy that I've seen kind of pop up in reports recently that maybe a a guy that the A's aren't interested in but maybe a guy that the A's should be interested in. And I definitely, I mean, it definitely was interesting for me to see, and I think something that is now my biggest, that could be number one for me on my wish list, if they could somehow get in contact with the Cubs and get Chris Bryant and Kimball. I don't know why. I mean, you'd have to give up a hefty amount, but though that would be pretty perfect for what your team needs. I think that if you do that, you still have to go out and get a left-handed bat. But now you just added two superstar players. You can you now have your closer. You now have another u- utility player with Chris Bryant. I mean, I guess, what is it? He's not technically a utility player if he can't play short, which, who knows, maybe he could. Chapman could even play shortstop. But... Chris Bryant, could, you could put him at second base, you could put him in left field or right field, third base, if anything happens to Chapman with his struggles. 
that would be phenomenal. Chris Bryant in A's uniform, I think, I mean, think about the lineup then. You now have someone to put after Matt Olson. Because what I'm starting to realize with Matt Olson is what I think that he's realizing is when he got his average up to over 300, it was him and Tony Kemp, and that's not really as a big threat. Someone that hit home runs at Yankee Stadium that went about 320, I think, hit one in Houston, hit one down the line in Oakland. The four of his home runs this year, three of them, I think, would only be home runs in the ballparks that he hit them in. So that's some nice luck for a guy like Tony Kemp and was able to get hot while playing in these stadiums and be able to hit hit it 320. Um, but, yeah, when Matt Olson was hot, you didn't have anyone to worry about after him. So I think that once he got hot like that, teams were kind of pitching out of the strike zone and he was maybe pressing, still trying to be hitting home runs, swinging out of the zone and chasing. But now with that home run today and with the doubles he's hit, it looks like he's kind of locked back into his strike zone. Maybe the home run derby helped that look for pitches that he can hit and do damage with and not just worry about trying to pull pull the ball. He did that in the home run derby where he was just trying to pull it, but I think that maybe maybe having that approach of look for the ball in a certain spot and if it's not there, maybe just let it go. That's a great mentality to have. I mean, instead of when you're hitting 310 on a team that the next closest batting average is 250, who are you going to want to pitch to, right? It's not going to be the guy hitting 310. It's going to be the guy hitting 250. But if you get Chris Bryant in there, if it's not Nelson Cruz, Chris Bryant, Nelson Cruz, a guy hitting 270, 280, someone that hit over 40 home runs, a rookie of the year, MVP, who's kind of slowed down, but who knows, in Oakland, after Matt Olson, before Matt Chapman with Ramon Laureano, Jed Lowry, Sean Murphy, that lineup is instantly, I feel like, ten times better if you just add someone that is capable because it lengthens out lengthens out the whole lineup. You now don't have to worry as much about Tony Kemp and, you know, the backup catcher wouldn't be as big of a spot. You pretty much only have one hole in that lineup instead of being able to kind of pitch your way out of certain players. Now, if you put someone on base, the guy after him, he's in scoring position pretty much all the way up and down your lineup. Just a thought that I was having, thinking about Chris Bryant. I also saw days where Javier Baez, which I wouldn't like as much. I think Chris Bryant, if you do make a trade with the Cubs, it would have to be Chris Bryant. And you have him in left field, Cannon and right. Chris Bryant in right, Cannon and left, Loriano in center. You're still very right-handed heavy. Mitch Moreland DHing, I think, pretty much every day would be the way to go to have that consistency in your line, that other left-handed back consistency in your lineup. I think that Tony Kemp moves back to the bench. Jed Lowry plays second base. You flip-flop Lowry and Moreland DHing, given days off. Tony Kemp comes in here and there. Boom, Chad Pinder comes back. Another utility player, or even if they trade him, I think that Tony Kemp needs to be replaced. Nah, not replaced, but with his at-bats need to be replaced with a lefty that is consistent. Matt Olson hitting 290. The other A's left-handed hitters are all under 240. Tony Kemp's at, like, what, 241? I mean, that, and he was just at 290. His average has dropped 50 points in the past month. So, really, that's zero production out of Tony Kemp. Not really doing anything other than walking. Seems like he's up there just not wanting to swing the bat, like I was saying. I think he knows his 
his stretch there has come to an end. He's not feeling it anymore. The weak ground outs, the pop outs are happening again. He's not barreling up balls. So Tony Kemp's just trying to walk it on base. That needs to be replaced with someone that's going up there to do some damage. I like Tony Kemp coming off the bench, a great bench player. Not someone that I like in the lineup every day. Trying to give you consistent, productive at-bats when he has a hard time getting the ball out of the infield with consistency. So I think going into this last couple weeks of the trade deadline, I think for me, I don't know how likely it is that Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell are wearing green and gold, but I think that between that and the Adam Frazier-Richard Rodriguez combination would be the most ideal for the A's. And then I still think at that point, if you do one or the others, right? So you're still going to have to go out and get another bat. So if you do Frazier and Rodriguez, you get your lefty and you get your closer. Then you still have to go get a right-handed bat, which some available out there. Or even another switch hitter. Just someone that another productive bat. If you get the Chris Bryant Kimbrell, then you still have to go out and get a lefty. It probably won't be Adam Frazier because that would just be a lot to give up at that point. But maybe David Peralta left-handed hitting outfielder I'm not sure about his infield ability or whatever maybe at first I mean he's not going to have to play first base but you know if there's injuries or anything there's a lot of this just don't want to be overstacked on outfielders so maybe I think Eduardo Escobar would probably be the other option I think that would be paired into either of those trades a switch hitter who can I think is pretty much a more powerful Jed Lowry at the plate at this point in both their careers, both around 250, 260. Escobar has about 20 home runs to Lowry's 12 or 11. Um, so that's pretty much the only difference in their game. Not super fast, but both great at-bats. Escobar can play pretty much anywhere on the infield, put him in left field, put him in right field. Pair that with Chris Bryant, Craig Kimball, or Adam Frazier and Richard Rodriguez. I think the A's instantly are in that next set of tiered, that next tier of teams. And, I mean, at that point, you're pretty much set. Maybe another bullpen piece there, but you don't have to go out and add anyone major, just another arm to have in there to eat some innings. But at that point, maybe you could look inside the organization. Hopefully, Puck and Lazardo can figure it out. So, it's definitely, there's definitely a lot of options and a lot more are seeming available to me, but at that point, it's are you going to go out and get Chris Bryant? I'm not sure how much is left on his contract, maybe just this year. Nelson Cruz, I think, has another year left, but he's older, and he's only really limited to DH. So not sure if you're going to want to give up a lot of youth for this year, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out, maybe Chris Bryant, if they have another year on their deal, you could trade them and start getting younger again. Hopefully they produce, but I think that you got to go all in because, like, if you don't go all in, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for Matt Olson and Matt Chapman to have no time left on the contract and to be stuck in that situation? I think that this is the year that they should, this year and next year, are the two best years that this group has to win a World Series. So if I'm the A's organization, which could leave Oakland. Who knows what they feel about Oakland with what's going on right now with the city council voting. If I'm the A's ownership and I'm organization, 
I think you have to look at it that these are likely the two best years, the two best chances you have at winning and, and or getting past, not even the World Series, but to win the divisional round. My gosh. this I mean, if you add to what you have right now, they're with some of the players that I was just throwing out. I know that that's a lot of good players, but they have the pieces to go out and get it done. It's a lot of veterans other than... it's a, No, it's a lot of veterans that, you know, teams... Won't you That you won't have to give up as much for other than maybe Chris Bryant in that trade. But it's a, there's a lot of veterans out there that you don't have to, I think, give up any of your major prospects for. Maybe some of the guys that, you know, I, I mean, at that point, when they'd be ready... They might be in one of those cycles of their three years of being down, trying to get better again, waiting for some other guys to come up. So I think just do it now. And if you get guys in, who knows? Maybe some other guys will want to come here. Maybe you get someone back. Maybe Chapman and Olsen see that this team is trying and they want to stick with them through wherever they end up. But who who knows? It's going to be tough. And I just would hate to see that Olsen and Chapman, another set of great A's players coming through here, have their time in Oakland get wasted and then go somewhere else and get be able to win. Because that's what it seems like what's happening. I feel like in the All-Star game, throughout the playoffs, the teams are always scattered with ex-Oakland A's. My goodness, it feels like there's A's on every team that's in the playoffs, whether it be Cespedes in the World Series with the Mets, Donaldson in the Blue Jays, Brandon Moss even. I feel like with the Indians... Maybe that was the year before they went to the World Series, but it's just all these those guys, that group that we had with the A's couldn't get past, and then they all made it farther with their own, with separate teams, I feel like, each of the next year. Coco Crisp was even, I think, in that World Series that the Indians lost, but it's, ah, man, it's tough. I mean, all these guys are going out and doing it elsewhere, but the A's just can't keep them here. Piscotti now batting under 200. Loriano's batting average under 230. Seth Brown under 200. Matt Chapman under 230. It's just you got to be able to add to it and puts in you know like there, there's no reason to pitch to him. There's a lot of holes in this lineup, and I feel like that could all be a race with just one consistent at bat. That's so. That's kind of where I'll leave the. Uh, the player acquisition chat for the week. I mean, something needs to be done. Everyone knows that, and it's just a matter of when they'll do it, who it will be, because it's just going to be like one of those things where we go out and... I honestly don't even know. I just hope that it's not one of those things where you really just don't get better. And like I was saying last week, where you make a move just to make a move, not... You make a move with a purpose to get better. It's this okay. Well, we need to make do something, so let's do this and get. A, I the name that comes into mind to me is Johnny Gomes. I know Johnny Gomes isn't in baseball anymore, but is it going to be a Johnny Gomes type of trade, or is it going to be a trade that tips you over the edge and gives you that gives you that extra thud of like when you walk into a game, you're like, okay, who are you going to get out in this lineup? If if you got you got to pitch to Olsen now that. Chris Bryant's behind him, and Chapman, and I mean, I think that that just one batter could make everyone on this team that much better. There's just too many inconsistent spots, and you plug in someone else that could hit consistently, and then you go from maybe Matt Chapman seeing a couple more hittable pitches, maybe Loriano seeing a couple more hittable pitches instead of breaking balls and 
fastballs out of the zone. I mean, you're still going to have to be able to do it, do damage to with those pitches, but, you know, maybe with the threat of someone else, they'll see more hittable pitches. So that's kind of where I'll leave that. And the A's right now in this game with the Angels, it's one nothing in the top of the sixth. Caprillion's still out there pitching great today. So I'll kind of go from there into what's next on the schedule and what the A's have coming up and who needs to who needs to step up really. I mean I've been talking about Chapman still needing to produce. Sean Murphy's batting average is climbing, but it's still not what it it needs to be at. I think that he's still he's putting together some decent at bats. I mean it's at two fifteen. He's struggling for sure. It got up to 220. You'd like to see that batting average at least at 250 like the rest of the guys on this team. But the defense is great. The runner, the, bat, the average with runners in scoring position that he has is pretty good. So he is being productive, just not consistent. Got to add someone else in this lineup that's consistent. So what's next for the A's after this Tuesday game? Wednesday when you will be hearing this, there is no game today. And then you head off on a road trip to Seattle, where you will see them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before heading off to San Diego. So, the Mariners being a couple games behind you in the division, San Diego being one of the better teams in baseball, their record may not say it, having that be that they're only one, they have play the same amount of games as the A's, and the only difference is the Padres have won one more game, but their offense, their pitching, you Darvish, Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, Fernando Tatis, obviously, Tommy Pham, who the A's have seen in Tampa Bay, do really well against the, the organization. The Padres are going to be a very tough series. We still have four games with them, so the next time I talk to you, it will be in the middle. Of, that's a three-game series. Oh, it's a two-game series, so I'll talk to you next Wednesday, which will be the second game and final game of that series before coming back home, I think. Ace at Angels after that, so that's actually the series that Mike Trout might come back. So next time I talk to you should be right before Mike Trout comes back, which should be pretty stressful for me considering, I mean, for all A's fans, probably get, that's at least one loss for sure, I'd say. Mike Trout hasn't been out of, hasn't seen the A's yet this year. This is the fourth series, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that's about one loss with Mike Trout back in the lineup. Hopefully Rendon still won't be in the lineup against the A's. Hopefully Upton still won't be out. This is a team that is missing a lot of good at, good bats right now. And hopefully that continues to happen because they're not too far behind the A's. And for the Angels, it's just a matter of can they get pitching. They In the recent draft, they had 20 picks, and they spent all 20 on pitchers. And I think two years ago, they had eight in 20 picks, the first or the first 20 picks, 18 were pitchers. So I mean, even if the first couple don't work out, they just drafted 48 pitchers in three years. You gotta imagine that some of those pitchers <laughs> are gonna be. You gotta imagine that they hit on some of them. Some of them. It is the Angels, so I guess there is that chance that they don't. But you gotta imagine that they hit on some of them. So I'd imagine it might be safe to say that for the Angels. That with Brandon Marsh coming up, who looks like if he gained 45 pounds, he'd be the perfect lumberjack candidate with that hair. With Joe Adele coming up, one of the better prospects in baseball. Pitching is probably also on the way. Pitching, I think, is a little bit better to 
quicker to develop because you just got to get control. You got to figure out how to pitch that you could get called up quicker than hitters, I think, with timing and everything. So for Angels, pitching is on the way, hopefully later, not in the next couple years. Hopefully Rendon will be gone by then. Doubt it. Otani hopefully doesn't resign. So the Angels, they're up and coming. So that's another point which also makes me go back to these, this is the, the two years that they have right now are probably the best two years that they're going to get for a while with how other teams are looking. The Astros, they lost Springer, but Jordan is, Jordan is up. They have a lot of players that are coming up and really successful right now. So it's, it's just a matter of time before both these teams... I think even Texas Rangers, they're kind of struggling right now, but they're going to be offloading players here and getting a lot of prospects back. Garcia has been really great for them, someone that they were lucky enough to find from St. Louis, uh, letting him go. Kind of like an A's move, a team gives up on someone and then comes to Oakland and produces. Hopefully he won't stay. I'm hoping that all these guys end up going elsewhere when the A's players are... Uh, Maybe on their way out if the A's aren't in Oakland anymore. But, um, you know. So Mike Trout's coming back. We have the Mariners. We have the Padres. But right now, we have this game against the Angels. And it's 2 nothing. So we have an off day tomorrow. There's an off day after the Mariners series on Monday. So the rotation, the bullpen, everyone should be healthy. And you think rested for the Padres and the Angels should be a tough what is that, five games against two pretty good offenses, especially if Trout is back. So there's a lot There is a lot to worry about if the A's don't go out and uh, be productive because you see the Padres and the Angels. That's leading up into the All-Star break, or not into the All-Star break, into the trade deadline. And I think that, I mean, next Monday before that Angels series, or before the Padres series, that might be, the, I think that's the day. I don't want to see... You know, you make a trade on Tuesday or Wednesday, you're not going to have them. Make the trade on Monday, get them there for that Tuesday game against the Padres that you're going to need to win. Because the Astros, they lost a couple to the White Sox, but, you know, one, they're going to put it all together and go on another one of those stretches here pretty soon, I feel like, where they go and win 10-plus games in a row. And it's just going to be, I think it's just a matter of time. And the A's cannot be the team they are right now. They have to be a different, better team than that in order to keep up with a team that they're already not as talented as. The Astros, I think, are in a spot to where they just need to add bullpen. Maybe they're going to go out and add an outfielder. Maybe another infielder with Bregman being hurt and Alemis Diaz being hurt. I think an outfielder is pretty safe to say that they'll go and get. I think a bullpen piece is also pretty safe to say that they'll go out and try to get. But that's not... A need. I think that if the Astros were to go out and maybe just get one reliever, that they are. I think that they're already World Series favorite. Maybe not favorites to win, but they're definitely up there for sure. And they might be favorites to win by a lot of people. I just don't think that they're going to be winning one for a while. I hope if they do, that's. I don't know. Everything about karma that I've ever heard would just go right out the window, for sure. If they win another World Series, they have no. Oh, man. But, I don't know, man. I don't know. The Astros frustrate me. The A's frustrate me. They'll frustrate me even more if they don't go out and make any moves this next week. That needs to be done by the Padres and Angels series. I think you finish this week against the Mariners. Another division series. You see where you're at. 
before the Padres, before you see two of the better offenses in baseball, especially if Trout's back. Trout and Otani back-to-back in that lineup. you got to go out and you got to get someone in that lineup at the minimum. If not in the bullpen, you got to go out and the minimum get someone in that lineup immediately. There's options out there. You just got to know where to go. And the Padres, sorry, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Cubs. And the Twins, five teams that have very good players that are looking like they're going to be able to that they're going to be selling. Five teams. I know you got to do your due diligence. You got to see what's available, you got to see what's around, you got to think about the fits of the team. But you got all season to be doing that. You know that at this point you're probably going to have to be making trades anyway. You probably understood going into the year that maybe middle infield you'll need to do something. Probably in the outfield you'll need to do something. And that's exactly where we're at. Probably in the bullpen. You know, you have Romo and Petit aging, Deekman aging. A lot of what Delkin hasn't not proven. You probably knew that you were going to have to do something in the bullpen. Probably thought you were going to have to do something in the rotation, which it's looking like you're now not going to have to do. So go out and put that to the bullpen. Put that in the lineup and on the field. And this team, I think, is inst- is ready to go. I like I was saying, one one bat in this lineup, one solid bat in this lineup, I think, makes everyone better. You now are scoring more runs, getting more run support for the starters who have already been great, giving the bullpen more cushion, which has already been good. Who seems to, you know, a couple guys come in, they give up a run here, a run there. Not a lot of these guys are coming in and just blowing it up and giving up multi multi-run innings consistently. It's kind of one run here for a couple guys, one run there. Maybe, you know, everyone every once in a while gives up the two runs or the three runs, but it doesn't seem like the A's bullpen is doing that consistently. It seems like one or two runs. So get someone else in that bullpen. Get someone in that lineup that can make a pitcher pay on these fastballs that the A's are swinging through right down the middle, and you're good to go. So next week, when I'll be talking to you, it'll be, I think, during that Padres series. Hopefully there will be moves to be made, moves to talk about, and I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. As long as the A's just go out and do what needs to be done, they should be fine. But who knows if they'll do it. All right, I'll see you next week. Go A's.